out, so we got those cool. Hey, give a public shout out to Andy for getting these lessons printed out for me. It's actually very helpful. One less thing to think about is a uh, big help, and I thank you for that. Don't have to rely on me to do it, which is a good thing. Okay, we are on lesson number three. <clears throat> lesson number three this evening. Yep. Can I, I don't know if anybody can see that fine. Is it fine? The glare? Okay. Okay, so a student of God's word is the metaphor or kind of type that we kind of want to look at tonight. And this is a, this is a good lesson. It's really challenging to me looking at it. Um, some, a very interesting way to approach it, put it that way. Because um, normally think, oh, obviously, yeah, we need to study God's word. But it's actually, it is a lot more than that. It's actually really interesting. So um, as we go through it tonight, I hope it's a, a challenge to you as well. No, but our, our, when you normally think of a student, no, it's, what's a student? Someone who goes to school, right? That's, that's maybe, maybe that'd be the more common thing that would be thought of. But learning shouldn't stop at graduation. We all should be students our entire lives, not just in biblical things, but um, in any, everything, basically. Now, God is... Um, God has specifically commanded us to study and grow when it comes to spiritual things. Um, so, sh so study should not be confine confined to a classroom or a time period. It's kind of very similar to some things this morning in the message this morning. Some of that actually will tie into tonight as well. It's kind of neat how that, how that happened. God wants us to be continually learning and growing our entire lives. And he's provided... Um, several things to study, which are actually kind of the three main points. I'm not going to say them yet. Um, so some objectives to think about tonight. First one is we're going to look at the threefold process of growth. Think about that. Kind of interesting. Um, we, need, we should commit ourselves to being lifelong students of the principles of God, um, the lives of great Christians and his attributes. Um, and then also purpose to pursue habits and patterns of learning and growth in our life. So jumping in here, our text verse is 2 Timothy 2.15. I think that's on your sheet there. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Um, the author says this here, says, being in the field of education for over three decades has given me the privilege to work with all types of students. Our typical idea of a student is one who goes to school, but learning shouldn't stop at graduation. We could, should continue to be students our entire lives. And I guess that would make sense considering has his name and then author of 101 tips for teaching on the front. So he is obviously a teacher of sorts. In the sunset years of his life, the apostle Paul requested Timothy to come to him in prison, and he also had another request that he made. Anybody remember what that is? It says, to ask him to bring the books, but especially the parchments. Although Paul was mature in his faith and had been used by God 
to write much of the New Testament, he still felt the need to continue learning. God specifically commands us to study. 2 Timothy 2.15. Someone want to read that again? I think it's on, is it on your sheet there? Okay. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If we're to obey God and remain students for life, we must understand what we should study. So that's kind of, I think that's the three main points is kind of what he's bringing out with that tonight. The three main points of what should we be studying? Obviously, God's word, right? That's the thing. But think about, this is a very, again, a different way to think about it. So the first one is a student of... All of these start with a P. Again, that was kind of the theme that I mentioned, three things to study that I didn't read them earlier. Student of principles. Yep. Every Christian should be a student of the principles of the Word of God. The purpose in studying God's principles is twofold. Change and growth. God wants to conform us into the image of Christ, which requires change. And he also wants us to grow to spiritual maturity. There can be no genuine growth without an inner change. Ezra 7.10. I think that's the next one. I'll let you there. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it. And then to teach it in Israel, statues... Ezra followed a three-phase process, which are the three sub-points under here. So the first one is to, to seek. We begin by seeking God's Word. For we cannot effectively obey and teach the Bible until we first know it in a real and personal way. And again, similar to this morning, it doesn't mean... You have a degree in it, but we must allow God's word to penetrate our hearts and thus permeate our lives. Psalm 119, 11. Think of like idea, illustration here of like a tea bag and hot water. For the hot water to be made into tea, it's got to be, the tea bag has to be in the water to steep, Right? remaining in the water long enough to let the water thoroughly absorb the flavor of the tea. You know, when God's word is allowed to steep in our hearts through memorization and meditation, it will change our lives. It's an interesting illustration. I thought about bringing that in here, and then I'll just, like, sip it as I'm teaching here, but decided not, and I forgot, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> it actually is... Um, if your class is small enough and your meeting room is conducive, you can make tea for everyone to sip during class. So, maybe I should have done that. Proverbs 4.23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The quality of our lives is determined by the quality of our hearts. And that's why we need to hide God's word in our hearts. We are very blessed in America to have ready access to God's Word. I mean, how many copies of Bibles do we have in our house? Yet having it available is not the same 
and is reading it. The one who does not read the word of God is in no better condition than one who cannot read it. In fact, he's in worse condition because he has it, but is ignoring it. Luke 12, 48. God warns us that the Bible may not always be so easily accessible. Amos 8, 11. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Of course, that's written back to you know, the Jews of Amos's day, and you could say that probably was fulfilled. Think of the Jews and their tradition. Think of how it got to, remember, like, think of the Talmud and things along those lines, how, like, God's word is just so suppressed under human words and tradition. It's interesting. Maybe the literal in fulfillment of that, but definitely still a principle there. Isaiah 55, 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is We must not waste the opportunities we have to learn the word of God. Rather, we must seek it while we have it so abundantly available. Illustration here. Um, this is actually kind of funnily, funnily, humorously goes along with the message this morning. A pastor unexpectedly showed up at the door of one of his parishioners for a brief visit. The mother, in an attempt to impress the pastor, turned to her young daughter and asked her to bring the book that mommy loves to read. The little girl's little girl scurried off and returned beaming, expecting praise as she handed her mother the TV guide. Our family members know if we are seeking and studying the truths of God's word. So subpoint B, we had uh, to seek, and then this one is to, to do, to do. Ezra did not stop with seeking the word of God. He obeyed it. James 1.22 be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. This was kind of a uh, convicting statement. You know, it's one of those ones you think and you read this, hmm, I, I got some people who need to hear this one. But then you think about it yourself, and it's like, hmm, that's a uh, look in the mirror before you say it about other people. Those who know God's truth but do not live God's truth deceive themselves into thinking that they're mature Christians. It's not enough to simply know the Bible. We must live it. Jesus told a story about two brothers who were told to go to work in their father's vineyard. This is in Matthew 28, 28 to 32. You may be familiar with it. The first son initially refused to go, but afterward he repented and went. The second son obediently answered, I go, sir, but he never went. Which one of them did the will of the father? The one who just talked about it or the one who actually did it? It wasn't the words that counted. It was the actions. We need to make sure that we're not only seeking the word of God, but doing it and carrying it out in our lives. 
the great American author Samuel Clemens, anybody remember what his more famous name is? What was it? Mark Twain, yep. Better known by his pen name, Mark Twain, said, it's not the parts of the Bible I don't understand that bother me. It's the parts I do understand. He knew that his lifestyle did not reflect the teaching of God's word. We need to ask God to give us the grace and the strength to do the things that we know are right. We need to learn it, but we shouldn't stop with learning it. We need to live it. So at subpoint C, we had to seek to do and then to teach. Yep. To teach. Seeking and obeying God's word motivates us to teach it to others. Isn't that just kind of interesting thought there? Seeking and obeying God's word will motivate us to teach it to others. And there is a joy that's there in passing on the blessings that we receive from our growth in God's word. Second Chronicles 34 records the account of King Josiah, who repaired the previously neglected temple. We kind of looked at this back in our study of the kings. And the repairmen found the word of God while they were working in the temple. And when they brought it to the king, he realized how greatly God's people had been failing to live by it. So he taught it to him personally. And as a result, God would send a great revival that would have effects during his entire life. Second Chronicles 34, 33. And Josiah took away all the abominations out of the countries that pertained to the children of Israel. And made all that were present in Israel to serve, even to serve the Lord their God. And all his days they departed not from following the Lord the God of their father. But that revival began with a man who'd found the word of God, decided to live by it, and then taught it to others. And if we will also surrender ourselves to teach the word of God to others, God can do wonderful things in our lives through that. Think now the apostle Paul with Timothy gave a very solemn responsibility to him. And you see that in 2 Timothy 2.2. And the things that thou hast heard me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Now, Paul had poured himself into Timothy, his son in the faith, and he now is instructing him to pick up that baton of truth and pass it on, what he had learned to others, and then specifically to faithful men who then will teach others also, the cycle continuing. Teaching and learning should never cease in our lives. This here, this next um, kind of section goes right along with this morning. We are especially responsible to teach the word of God to our children. Deuteronomy 6, 6-7. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. David praised God for the heritage he had been given. Psalm 16, 6. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. It's kind of, I never thought about that before. But again, that's David speaking here about his parents and what they put into him to, uh, of course, 
people can go to whatever if they don't have a good foundation and background. But it's this thinking of David, specifically of what was put into him when he was young. Can our children say that we've given them a goodly heritage? The legacy of a godly Christian family on which they can model their families? Now, teaching God's principles to succeeding generations also doesn't stop with our children. We're to teach our grandchildren as well the Word of God. Deuteronomy 4 9. Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thy eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. Thy sons' sons. God's plan is for each generation to influence as many succeeding generations as possible. That's how a Christian family is perpetuated. When one generation fails in this responsibility, the results are devastating. And Judges 2, 7 to 12, records how this happens. The people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. In all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being a hundred and ten years old. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there was another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other gods, of the gods of the people that were round about them, and bowed themselves unto them, and provoked the anger of the Lord to anger. Joshua led the people of his generation to serve the Lord, but they failed to teach their children in the ways of God. And as a result, those of that next generation says they didn't even know the Lord. And they, of course, at that point, it's really easy just be like everybody around. Training our children in the ways of the Lord is commanded throughout the Bible. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Ephesians 6, 4. And you fathers, provoke not your sons in the wrath, and bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. We should take it as a wonderful opportunity, but also a very fearsome responsibility to teach the Word of God to our kids, to our children. Really, truly, the future of our nation depends on it. For our children are our future. The future of our church depends on it, because they're the future. The wisest man who ever lived, except for the Lord, was Solomon, as was mentioned there. The book of Proverbs is Solomon's letter to his son, and it's a principle-centered book. And consider a few of the principles that are taught in the book of Proverbs. Nearness is likeness. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. That's Proverbs 13, 20. The word of God is the greatest compilation and repository of wisdom that ever was or ever shall be. Proverbs 9, 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. So nearness is likeness. That's one principle. Another one 
listening increases learning. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels, Proverbs 1.5. Then third here, our own understanding is extremely fallible, and we must not rely on our self-guidance. Of course, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, very familiar verses there. No, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And this was actually mentioned as well again this morning. No, many Christians who have a desire for wisdom read the book of Proverbs. No, you can read it through in a month by reading a chapter or two um, a month, and you read it through every month. And all throughout Scripture are many other wonderful principles. There's principles that we need to learn and incorporate into our lives and to teach them to others as we have opportunity. Regardless of our age, we should be students of the principles of the Word of God. And like Ezra, we need to seek God's Word, do it or obey it, and then teach it to others. So that's the first point, is a student of principles. And then point two is a student of student of people. Yep. The diligent student learns all that he can from whomever he can. Isn't that kind of interesting? You can think of, oh, I definitely should not learn anything from that person, you know. But God brings people into our lives so that we can learn from them along with what I just said there, you know, from some people we learn what we ought to do, and from others we learn what we ought not to do. It's interesting, if you think about it, you can learn from anybody, from everybody, either what we ought to do, what we ought not. And generally, depending on the person, it's going to be on the sliding scale of whichever side that's going to be on. But you know what? There's definitely... Probably from anybody, you could argue, you could learn any of those things from what you should and what you should not. So, subpoint A, student of people, people from the from the past. Wise is the person who will learn from people of the past, because as you know, what it said, what's it, what's the saying go? If those who don't know. Those who don't know, don't those who don't know history are bound to repeat it. Rich lessons can be learned in the corridors of history, and when we find a life well lived, we should strive to incorporate into our lives the principles from that person's life for us. It doesn't say copy them word for word, but learn the principles from their life. So let's consider a few of these Bible characters and what we can learn from them. So here, I'll just throw some names out, and then um, you tell me some things we can learn from them. What about Gideon? What's a lesson? The principle lessons are some principles that we can learn. <laughs> the 
about Gideon's life teaches that through God we can overcome seemingly insurmountable adversity. Of course, we could talk about positive and negatives for all these people's lives. How about Jonah? We should learn a lot about Jonah. <laughs> well, he should obey. That is true. Anything else? Yep. Everything here, everything's been said is true. But Jonah's life teaches that nothing is too hard for God, no matter how hard we might try to make it. How about Moses? All kinds of, lots of lessons. Moses' experience as a child in an ark of bulrushes in the Nile can teach us that God will never leave us and that he watches us no matter how desperate our situation can be. How about, this is an interesting one, about Hosea. Hosea's example teaches that we can forgive regardless of how badly we've been wronged. How about Paul? Paul's life teaches that God can use anyone in a great way regardless of their past. How about Nicodemus? Nicodemus' life teaches us that no matter our social standing, we still must be born again. How about Joseph? Listen to forgiveness. God provides. Joseph's life teaches that no matter how dark the night, God will never leave us or forsake us. How about Ruth? Ruth's life teaches that there's a kinsman redeemer in her life. And again, we could stay here all night talking about other examples of people. Undoubtedly, God has given us many details about Bible characters for a purpose, that we may look to them as our examples and, in a sense, our tutors and teachers. Paul explained in 1 Corinthians 10, 6, talking about, like the Old Testament, those things were, these things are our examples, were our examples. It's interesting to think about judges. I was kind of just looking through there a little bit today. You know, there's some that are get like a verse said about them and that's it. And then you got like Samson who has, what, four, five, six chapters, mostly bad, <laughs> written about him. That's kind of interesting. God has given many details about some and nothing about others. More recent history also furnishes us with many lives worthy of, of emulation. Um, biographies, of course, you can read a lot of good biographies of Christians of recent past and further back past. Um, preachers and missionaries, there, it extends a lot farther beyond that. Think of the lives of others who live exemplary lives for the Lord. Guys such as R.G. Letourneau and John Wanamaker, who were businessmen who put the Lord first in their lives and their businesses. Others include Eric Liddell, you know, British Olympic runner who refused to run on the Lord's Day. 
William, Wilber William Wilberforce. Um, of course, he's the one who fought to, um, of a, among others, obviously, to eradicate the scourge of slavery in the British Empire. This is another really interesting thought here, kind of latch on to this if you think about it. One of the best ways that we can learn from people of, our, of the past is to ask ourselves questions as we study them. So here's number one. Why did God include this person's life in Scripture, if it's a Bible character? Why? Number two, what truths or principles can I learn from this person's life? And then three, what in this person's life should I imitate? And what should I avoid? Kind of interesting way to think about it. Kind of interesting way to approach Scripture and people, people's lives that we have record of in Scripture. Why did God include it? What truths and principles can I learn? And what should I imitate? And what should I avoid from their lives? Because asking questions stimulates our minds to specifically articulate how we can learn from them. So we have subpoint A is people from the past, and you can probably guess what subpoint B is. People from the present. Greatness is often unnoticed in its own generation. It's an interesting thought. Greatness is often unnoticed in its own generation. If you think of people that are great in the future that are living now, they probably aren't considered that now. A wise student will strive to learn from those around them. And a benefit of learning from our contemporaries is that we can more closely observe their lives and receive direct mentoring. Scripture points out a specific group we should learn from. You can see those in Hebrews 13, 7. I don't remember who is last. You guys start, Pastor. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. We are to follow the faith of our spiritual leaders today. Now, the word follow like, has the idea, it literally means to imitate or to mimic. And conversation that's used there, and it's an old English word that means like your manner of life, your conduct, your service. No, to imitate or mimic the manner of life, conduct, behavior. Basically, we, we should pattern our lives after the lives of godly leaders. Again, it doesn't mean copy them. But the, again, getting back to the principles, what we looked at before. 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. <clears throat> Be ye followers of me, even, I, even as I also am of Christ. We're not to worship our spiritual leaders, but we're rather to follow and imitate them as they follow and imitate the Lord. Some of the best examples that God has provided are the lives of those around us who have dedicated themselves to the Word of God and are living a life of faith. We should see these men and women as mentors from whom we can learn. The author gives some examples here of some people in his life um, um, who are good examples and everything to him. Daniel's sterling character was noticed by those around him. Think back to the stories and the situations there in Daniel. 
know, those who sought to find fault in them realized they could only create it by outlining the prayer life that he lived. People who watched Daniel's life, believers and unbelievers, were given a godly example. This is also another interesting thought. Even while Daniel was still alive, he was ranked with such heroes as Noah and Job. This is actually in um, Ezekiel 14. I'm going to read it real quick. Again, this is Ezekiel. So this is during, I think Ezekiel was taken in the second time, the second captivity there with Nebuchadnezzar, the second time. So this is him right, this is in Ezekiel here. Again, Daniel's alive in parallel at this point. This is Ezekiel 14, 14. This is God speaking here. It says, though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord, speaking of Israel and the Jews there. Then he reiterates it again here in verse 20. It says, though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, saith the Lord, and he continues there. But that's while Daniel's still alive. It's actually interesting there. John and Charles Wesley impacted two continents for the Lord, thinking of like Europe and then the United, and then the North America. And their lives were a picture of constancy and consistency in areas such as Bible study, prayer, and care for the unfortunate and the needy. And they were willing to have intense times of fasting and prayer as they called out for God's spirit and revival to fall upon the land. And living with such consistency, they were often ridiculed for their methodical lives. Just as people watched and studied the Wesleys, people are watching and studying our lives as well. The principle of learning from others works two ways. If we understand that people are watching us, we want to make sure we're making right choices. We ought to pause and ask the question, what do people learn from watching my life? That's probably a scary question <laughs> to think about. Studying the lives of great servants of the Lord, past and present, enable us to learn and grow from their successes and their failures. It also provides opportunities to be mentored and challenged um, with uh, contemporary people. And it reminds us of the care we must take in the example that we're giving and the legacy that we're passing down. So on to point three this evening, we had um, basically students of principles, students of people, and now students of, of the something of something. Person of God. <laughs> Students of the person of God. God himself is our primary teacher. And when we learn God's attributes then and allow him to make us more like himself, we can more clearly and fully show him to a lost and dying world. Again, that whole idea of being conformed to the image of Christ. So uh, sub-point A, attributes of God, the... God the Father, yep. Attributes of God the Father. God's attributes include those that belong uniquely to God. Think of it such as like omniscience, which is all-knowing, 
think omnipotence, all power, omnipresence, all presence. But God also possesses attribute that he specifically instructs us to reflect throughout our lives. You know, we can't, we can't reflect omniscience, can we? How about omnipresence? Unless you're a mom. I guess maybe omniscience, I should say, if you're a mom, too. But anyway, definitely not omnipotence, right? But there's other attributes that we're commanded to reflect. How about our God is love? 1 John 4, 8, so we should be loving. Our God is just. Isaiah 45, 21, so we should be just. Our God forgives. 1 John 1, 9. So we should forgive others. Our God is faithful. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, so we should be faithful. And our God is holy. And 1 Peter 1, 16, so we should be holy as well. So our lives are to be a reflection of God. Isn't that it kind of goes back to before, we're talking about salt and light. Remember, we don't generate the light in and of ourselves. It's just reflecting it off of the source. So our lives are to be a reflection of our God, drawing others to see the greatness and goodness of the God that we know and serve. Studying the attributes of God enables us to know Him better and to better understand what He wants us to be. So we had attributes of God the Father, next attributes of God the, God the Son. The Lord Jesus Christ was the one and only God-man. And he's also our chief example. 1 Peter 2.21. Many years ago, Charles Sheldon wrote the novel In His Steps. If you've heard of it, I've actually never read it before. I've heard about it wrote the novel In His Steps. The story concerned a pastor who challenged his congregation to live their lives according to the principle, what would Jesus do? Surely we could do no better than to do what Jesus would do in every situation. Yet the only way that we'll know what Jesus would do is to study his life and personal qualities in God's word. This is an interesting one as well. We see, for example, that Jesus always displayed the spirit of kindness to children. It's an interesting thought. To follow his example, we must not view children as irritations, but as people in which to invest and serve. Never thought about that. We see in Jesus total devotion and sacrifice. He was willing to die to self and to give up his own will in order to please his heavenly father. And so we need to give our will over to God as Jesus did. From the example of Jesus, we also see that we need to take time to be alone with God. Time and time again, he would go up alone into a mountain or to pray or into a desert place by himself to pray early in the morning, all night see different examples there. And if he needed to spend time alone with God, then how much more do we? We also see how he answered temptation. 
with the Word of God. He did not retaliate or even open his mouth when personally attacked. Think of his trials. We can learn from his example how to respond then to a lost and often hostile world. The life of our Lord, unlike any other man, can provides us a flawless example for us to follow. And God's purpose for us is then to conform us to the image of Christ. Romans 8, 28 to 29. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he, did, he also did suggestively to be conformed to the image of the Son, we learn about Christ by reading his word, and then he uses his word to transform us into his likeness. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we all with our open face, beholding as in glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, and by the Spirit of the Lord. We need to study the attributes of the Lord Jesus and strive daily to be more and more like him. So finally here we have attributes of God the Father, attributes of God the Son, and then attributes of God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has many names, and each one of them describes his attributes. Among his many names, one of them is Comforter. John 16, 7. We find this name for the Holy Spirit used three additional times in the Gospel of John. In John 14, 16, 14, 26, and then in 15, 26. William J. Kirkpatrick wrote a well-known hymn called, The Comforter Has Come. The Comforter Has Come, The Comforter Has Come, The Holy Ghost from Heaven, The Father's Promise Given. Oh, spread the tidings round wherever man is found, the Comforter has come. The Holy Spirit is also spoken of as a guide. John 16, 13. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. The Holy Spirit helps us live for God. This is an interesting verse here, Isaiah 30, 21. In thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it, when ye turn to the right hand, and when ye turn to the left. That verse kind of intrigued me a little bit when I was studying this, so I actually went back and looked at it. And it's, of course, it's the Lord speaking with Israel. It's interesting, the verse right before it ends with a colon. So this continues the thought, but it's talking about their teachers, specifically with this, which actually goes right along with this lesson as well, thinking about that. But it's the idea of a guide. Uh, Ezekiel 36, 27. But my spirit within you, and God may walk in my statutes, and he shall keep my judgments and do them. We need to study the qualities of the Holy Spirit and then allow him to minister to others through us. And through his working in our lives, we can comfort others, guide others, and help others live for the Lord. We could study our entire lives and never scratch the surface of God's goodness and his greatness, but the more we study, the better we'll know and be like him.
and there's a song, I think it's in her hymn book too, it's like, oh, to be like thee. Interesting words on that song too. So in conclusion, study isn't confined to a classroom or a time period. God wants us to be continually growing, learning and growing our entire lives. God has provided us with many things to study. The principles of his word, the lives of people, and his own attributes. And that's a really interesting way to think about it and study. Reading, meditating, and studying must be a conscious choice. These activities most definitely run contrary to our carnal nature. By nature, we want to be entertained and be at rest. The serious student, however, will schedule time to study and to develop habits that are conducive to learning. Set aside time every day to meet with the Lord and to study His Word and His principles. Search for His characteristics and ask Him to transform you into His image. Read biographies and learn from our spiritual leaders. Train ourselves to ask questions as we study and to apply what we've learned. And then as God's children, may we be obedient to his command to study to show thyself approved unto God. 2 Timothy 2.15. So let's look at a, a few questions um, this evening, kind of just to recap. So what did Paul request from Timothy that indicated that he felt the need to continue learning? What did Paul request from Timothy? Yep, he requested to come to him, but to bring the books, especially the parchments. What's the twofold purpose in studying God's principles? What, are the, what is the twofold purpose in studying God's principles? along those same lines, but change and growth are the specific ones that are mentioned. Again, it's not to just to, to read it and grow your mind. Change and growth. God wants to conform us into the image of Christ, which requires change, and he wants us to grow into spiritual maturity. So what questions should one ask when studying the lives of other people? I think I mentioned this twice. It's an interesting way to think about it. There's actually three of them. What questions should we ask when we study the lives of other people? Yep. Yep. That's kind of the, the first one in the order here. Why did God include them in Scripture when you're studying Bible characters? And then what truths or principles can I learn from their lives? And what in their lives should I imitate? And what should I avoid? Even though we could study our entire lifetimes and never scratch the surface of discovering God's infinite goodness and His greatness, why should we study His attributes? Because the more we study it, the better we can know Him and be like Him. The lesson made the statement that we must not waste the opportunities we have to learn the Word of God but seek it while we have it so abundantly available. What are some opportunities that you have to learn the Word of God? 
now. We got read it. Um, Sunday school church attendance in there. Scripture memorization, meditation, family devotions. Again, a lot of different, a lot of different things we have there. Listening to it. Another one. Listening to messages. This, these next ones are kind of answers will vary here, but what biblical principles do you need to teach your children? And what other opportunities do you have to teach God's principles? Easy answer is all of them. <laughs> so what specific qualities can you learn from the spiritual leaders that God's given you? And that kind of will vary for each and every one of us in our personal situations. But what are some specific qualities that we can learn from the spiritual leaders that God's given us? And then, what habits or patterns do you need to develop to become a diligent student of God's Word? Again, that other answers will vary. Answer that for yourself. And what habits or patterns do you need to develop to become a diligent student of God's Word? So you got an interesting lesson, interesting way to kind of approach it. Any thoughts from anybody? Anything that stood out? Specifically, because yep. it's interesting to think of tea. It takes time to get good tea, doesn't it? I mean, you put it in for ten seconds. Yeah, you might get some tea taste but it's not going to be tea, really. Anything else? quality of our lives is determined by the quality of our hearts. That's what it was. Yep. Anything else? Yep. The quality of the water, like you think of like it's filtering. Like, uh, Dad was talking about the, uh, like the Bible study act he's going to hear all these like, truths out there, but filtering everything through God's word first. <laughs> That's uh, definitely true. And for me, one of the things here, you know, those who know God's truth but don't live it, deceivers deceive ourselves, deceive themselves into thinking that they're mature. Deceive myself into thinking mature Christian. That kind of goes, yeah, back to James 1.22. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And then um, one other thing that really kind of struck me just kind of in some personal situations in my life right now is just know from some people you can learn what you ought to do but from others it might be more of learning what you ought not to do but we can always learn 
something from everybody, from anybody. It's a kind of an interesting way to think about it because you know, so often if situations come up that are like you know, negative or not great, it's really easy to just kind of like turn it off and just like kind of just grit your teeth and go through it and kind of get your you know, tunnel vision to get through it. But really, sometimes if we stop and think, you know, that um, the Lord can use those situations to teach us, might be teaching us what we shouldn't do, you know, poor examples that we shouldn't be like, but that's still learning in it. So that was something that kind of stood out to me on here. Anything else before we close it? Okay, let's pray. Lord, we do thank you again for your word. It kind of can be a, a rote thing to say, but um, it definitely is true. Your word is an amazing book that we should emulate and follow. And it's the lessons you know, that, that we saw tonight about being a student's of your word, but also a student of the principles of your word, students of people, and then students of you and your attributes. And it's a really interesting way that it's broken down that way to think about it that um, can really kind of help give us some application and some framework to, to think about and to structure learning around. And just the examples of people that you give in scripture that um, that we can learn, again, what we should do and what we shouldn't do, and then also just examples today in our day-to-day -day lives of people and things of what we should do and of things what we should not do, things we should say, things we shouldn't say, ways we should think, ways we shouldn't think. And give, ask you that you give us wisdom to perceive that. And then all in all, that it would all come down to change and growth in our lives, to conform us more to your image. Please help us as we go to um, our homes this evening, that you would keep us safe and bring us back together again on Wednesday. And as just the, the th things that we listen more enough, if nothing else, just for me to not forget it and to bring it to our minds and to live it instead of just hearing it one time and then forgetting about it. Please help us to remember these things um, this week in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.